Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. You know, after years and years and years of pastoral ministry, sitting with people and, and hearing people ask the question in general, well, I just don't know, you know, God, what do you want me to do? The, the, the conversation would be around, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And I found myself over and over and over asking people, well, who, let's start with love first. We're commanded to love. Forget trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. Let me ask you this. Who do you love? And then it kind of just developed into this whole, this whole uh, process of walking people through just a basic series of questions based on who do you love, not to necessarily make the promise of this will help you discover your call, but what I do believe it does is it gets action happening. It gets you moving forward, and it gets you moving uh, toward people motivated by love, and I just happen to believe that as you are moving the path becomes enlightened to you and you discover what your calling is. Oftentimes, I think you might turn around and realize, oh, that, that's, that's amazing what just got accomplished there. You know? So you may, not ever even, you may not ever get to the point where you feel like, this is my calling. I know what my calling is, what I'm supposed to do. You, know, you, you may never feel like you actually answer that question. And I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, for some people, it's very specific and very defined, but my goal in that, and still is, just to remove that burden of you just having to justify your existence by finding some spiritual job description. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm alive. I feel like I'm worthless. Why am I here? You know, but I mean, that's, that's a lot of people's thought processes. And, and, I, and I just frame it in the idea of your purpose is to be a child of God. Once you say yes to Jesus, your purpose, in other words, the reason God made you is fulfilled. God created you because he wanted children. And when you say yes and you are adopted into that family, the reason for your existence is complete. But once you know that, there's work to do. Are you with me? So it's this idea of living from purpose rather than trying to figure out what is my purpose. It's identity-based, love-motivated, <clears throat> super simple. I mean, you might read it and be like, well, this is too easy. Well, then I did a good job if you feel that way. <laughs> I thought that was funny. My point being, lifting these burdens off, you know, it's just a huge part of my calling is lifting the burdens off, lifting the yokes off, lifting, lifting the performance mentality off. But when that happens, you better be ready to maturely step into whatever love might lead you into. You can just enjoy your Christianity and enjoy life and enjoy nature and, you know, that, that's fine fund the gospel, whatever it is. It's not, it's not even about the doing, but there's so much joy in being motivated by love and living in freedom without the constant nagging feeling that you're failing at why you were put on this planet. Are you with me? I mean, have you ever felt that way? If you're not, then you're not taking your Christianity seriously. We, we all feel that way at a certain point. We all feel like Man, I'm not doing enough. I don't even know if I'm doing the right things. What am I supposed to do? Well, love. Just, just love people. Start there. And then you watch. As you are intentional and make and move toward people. I, I thought about you, Ryan. There's a, I watched this. Um, man, I get, I get caught in these near-death experience video loops. Anybody else watch those? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. I mean, this, it's so fascinating to me. You know, and, and there's some good channels out there's some weird channels out there, but the, the Jesus ones where you you when they get to the point where they talk about the, the man of light, you know, they see Jesus and it's like there's they are seeing Jesus. But one that's the one guy's a pilot, and he said he's feel he's he feels like he's led 
30,000 people to the Lord as a professional pilot. Um, he, it feels like he leads about a thousand people. I'm, this, no, there's no pressure here. <laughs> there's really no pressure here. I, my point in saying this is, what's that? Yeah, right. But, but my point in saying this is where you are in your job, there's opportunity. You don't have to, you know, get so holy that you don't have a job and you are in the ministry. Man, my goodness, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and the body of Christ to go into the ministry. You're in, you walk out your door, you're in the ministry. You are. And oftentimes in a ministry where you might reach more people than I will uh, uh, that don't know Jesus, right? So this guy was telling this story and, and he just can't help himself but tell his story, which is just all he does. He just tells his story over and over and over and over because it's just so alive and real to him, right? He just, what happened to him, he tells. And, it, and it's not just about, because you might be thinking, well, I don't have the phenomenal, I didn't die. I think this guy died for like 30 minutes or something, you know. Uh, you don't have to have that. But what you can have it's just a thriving personal relationship with the Lord that is so uh, fulfilling for you that it spills out to other people, right? Because we're all called to do the work of the evangelist. But, man, even evangelism has been systematized and programmed, and it's a calendar event rather than a lifestyle. I'm, I'm down with evangelistic events, you know, I, I, I want to see that kind of stuff happen. I know Glenn and, and Tori primarily and others as well, uh, just, you know, feel called to that area. And, and you guys, as you, as you can, you open up and invite other people to come out and join you. And I know that's your desire to do that more. And I say, I mean, aren't you rooting for them to go out there, pulling for them to go out there, the, the body being the body? I want to see them go out there. I want to hear those testimonies. I want to uh, support that and go with them and watch you get excited and a little jealous about them going out and doing it and want to join them. Because you know, you know what I mean, a healthy jealousy where we're provoking each other unto, what's the pastor, how's it say? Good works. Unto good works, yeah. Making each other. Sam, what, what, what reference is that? Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 26. Thank you. See, case in point. The evangelist knows. <laughs> awesome. Which is really kind of where I'm wanting to go today. <clears throat> I don't have a super detailed scriptural path to follow through. I feel like I've done that. It's not like enough of that Bible stuff. It's not really the point I'm making. Just today feels a little bit more philosophical in talking about this idea about lifestyle versus, you know, meeting some kind of obligation as the purpose of your life. I mean, there is work to do. You do have assignments. God prepared as a way of life ahead of time that we would do good works in Christ. And that's a whole, I'm, I'm teaching through Ephesians and Colossians right now, coming in and recording these videos for uh, Nate Tanner's Bible school that's going to go all over Africa. <clears throat> it's actually mostly um, Impact Ministries courses, and, I, and I'm contributing to it and probably will continue to add more courses to it. We will make that available in our online learning center, which we call Forward School of Transformation. For you guys to go and access, if you want to, it's probably going to end up being about 14 or 15 sessions. Each session is there's a 20-minute session, and then the rest, I was telling Adam, it's like I come in here and I flip the camera on and I start recording, and then when I go to hit stop 52 minutes later on one chapter, one to, one, last week I did a video on three verses for 50 minutes. I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to speed this up. But I just, you just get into it. You just start pulling all that stuff out of the Word, and you go, and you go, and you go, and all the preparation, and, and I love it. I love doing that. So we'll make that available. Um, but there's a passage in there that talks about this idea, you know, predestined, golly, there's worms all over the stage up here right now. I'm just trying to figure out which ones to put on the hook and feed them to you. Is that, 
No? We'll go with that. Um, but it, it's not that the specific good works, it's not that God ordained ahead of time for you to open the door for her today. That, that's not the type of stuff that we're talking about. It's talking about a general way of life that you would do good works in Christ is what he prepared ahead of time. He prepared ahead of time that, that salvation would be available in Christ. He prepared ahead of time that those who would become the elect and God's chosen people now in Christ, which is the mystery, that they would live a life of good works. Not that you got to do this one thing, and if you never do it, man, you're a failure. Because that's, that's how it's taught. You ever been, have you ever felt that way? I really didn't plan on going into this that much, but I just, it's just kind of coming out, and it does lead into where I'm going. And, and it's not that you just check out. It's like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Well, that's not maturity either. The reality is you don't in terms of becoming more holy or becoming more righteous or growing in God or, or, or to become qualified of blessing, any of that type of stuff. You know, we, we are not in a meritocracy in the kingdom, meaning you get what you get because you've earned it. You know, we're in a family. We're in a, in, a, in a relationship with God where he has blessed us and given us an inheritance. God, through Christ, gave you everything he has to give you already in the seed form of the Spirit of God on the inside of you. It's an amazing thing. And he's done that with each individual person, and he's building us together as a temple in this earth to bring glory to his name. It's what we're doing. If you feel disconnected, like you don't belong, on the outside, not sure of what your place is, be careful because that is the playground of the enemy. I'm not saying the enemy's making you think that way. I'm just saying be careful because if you start to entertain those thoughts, uh, the enemy might start to come in and separate you even more to the point where you're like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't need those people anyway. I don't need the church anyway. They don't, they don't like me, and I don't like them anyway. And that might be true. <laughs> but what are you going to do about it? Some of them like you. You can find some of them that you like. Join, connect, grow, grow up. You know, when I pray, I find myself praying for myself. Grow up. Grow up. I, 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 want, I want to be at an optimal, optimal level of maturity in my place, in the family and the body of Christ. I do not want to be a limiting factor in what God's trying to do through me on behalf of the body. You know, and, and this is something that I'm, it's just, it's, expanding my perspective of personal vision is our role and our place in the body of Christ. You know, not minimizing your effort, not, you know, having a grandiose perspective of your effort, but realizing you have a place in the body of Christ. And, and, it's, and, if, and if you never fulfill it, God's not upset. He's not looking at you thinking, wow, you failed. You just, yeah, well, you know, you could have been this and you should have been that. It's true. There's a lot of coulda, shouldas. I think we might get to heaven. That might be one of the painful things as we get to heaven and we look back and we're like, wow, could have been like that, really? But, it, but it's like, you know, it, when it's your father interacting with you, in terms of accomplishment and, and fulfillment and being in your role in the body of Christ. It's not a, it's not a disqualification. It's just, ah, oh, man, we could have been even better. We could have been even more loving. We could have been even more effective in the earth in showing people who God is if we just would be ourselves in him, you know. So... It's like I want to remove the burden, but I want to inspire you 
to be so moved by your relationship with the Father that you can't help but desire to only live in those things that God would want for you. Are you with me? It's, it's a paradox. It's freedom, but it's like you want to be a slave to his righteousness. You know what I'm saying? You want to be a voluntary slave to the will of God. And if you don't, hey, God's down with having a picnic and you going fishing every day. He's just as pleased with that person as he is with the person that leads 30,000 people a year to the Lord in the cockpit of their airplane or wherever it might be in his work. Are you with me? And I, I, you know, it's in my role, oftentimes it's hard to communicate and make the distinction, I realize, because there's lights and there's a microphone and there's recordings and there's this and that, and it looks, it looks like there's a line of distinction, but, but there, really, there really isn't. It's just the role that I'm ful- fulfilling as a desire of my heart, and, and your role, even though it might not be as public, is incredibly valuable. And, and, it's, and quit looking at other people's roles and disqualifying yourself. However, paradoxically, on the other end of that, what are you doing? Can I ask, can I ask that? So it's like, ooh, you're poking me a little too hard there. But, but it, it's, you know, you're safe. You're in him. We're good. Now, you see this world out here? Because there's people, you know, it's a little different. I'm speaking out of my heart here. But there's people that are hurting out there. And you can do something about it. There's people that don't know the simple, basic love of God. There's people that don't know uh, what Jesus did for them. You know, in, in this environment, we frame everything through the finished work of Jesus. You know, I would say we have a, a finished work exegesis. In other words, to understand anything about Scripture, understand anything about God, understand anything about life, understand anything about faith, we look to what did Jesus do in his perfect, perfect, can you turn me down a little bit, some ringing, in his perfect life to become qualified to be that perfect spotless lamb, bearing everything he did as part of our atonement, doing what he did through the grave in his ascension, and then giving a, doing a work inside of us, making us new and clean and new creatures, putting us in a new relationship with God. You know, some, some, some people don't know the difference between the Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Like, I, I, would, I would challenge you, spark up a conversation, if you can, with people about that type of thing. You know, the Old Testament is the 39 books from Genesis to Malachi, and the New Testament is the 27 from Matthew to Maps, no, Revelation, preacher joke. Uh, Matthew to Maps. Surely you've heard that. Yeah. Genesis to Maps. Anyway. Um, if you don't know what that means, that means you're on your Bible app too much. Because in the back of a Bible, there's maps oftentimes. Yeah. I got one. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I just realized people might not have the physical Bibles with the maps in the backs anymore. Anyway. So I have this passage that's been rolling around in my heart. Well, just let me just say this. The old covenant was the agreement that originated in God's promise to Abraham of a, a purchased people or a peculiar people, God's nation. That covenant was defined in Moses, the first the first. Uh, requirements to be part of that covenant in the good graces of that covenant were the Ten Commandments, which then transitioned into 633 different laws to, to remain in that covenant. And, of course, that was impossible. Then God shows us the law was never given. The law, which was the requirements to stay in the covenant, which was the old covenant, couldn't bring you to a place of righteousness anyway. What it was designed to do was show you 
You can't live up to this on your own. You need a different way. And then you go through the book of Hebrews and you realize the master class that is given in terms of transitioning from the old covenant to the new covenant, which is sure in the blood of Christ. And in fact, it's actually a covenant between the Father and the Son. And because of the atoning work of Christ and the arrangement that they're offering in Christ through his life, blood, sacrifice for you, is that you get to share in Christ's side of the covenant, which just happens to be everything that God has. People don't know that. And, and so then that defines our faith expectations from a spiritual perspective. You know, it's why we believe, we have the legal right to believe for every attribute of the character of God that he brought to this new covenant that he promises to be for Jesus is also true for you. And in that promise between the Father and the Son, and you read about it in Hebrews, is heaven, essentially, that backs its way into this earth. That's why we believe that we can believe for healing and provision and wisdom and guidance and diseases to be removed from us and to have joy and blessing in spite of what's going on in the world because we believe it was paid for for you to have access to that quality of life because you are a joint heir with Jesus and Jesus has inherited everything that God has. Eternal, abundant life in which God will show you grace even in the ages to come. It, it, so, so then you take that, and because we believe we are part of that covenant, we believe for healing. We believe that you should never be in lack. We believe that you should, in spite of whatever is going on in the world, you can be untouched because the king of the universe is inside you. You are the dwelling place of the spirit of the living God, and that comes with benefits. And people that don't understand or don't see it that way you know, it's not that we've got a secret f figured out that other people don't. It's not like a Gnostic special knowledge thing. It's just that, no, we're, we're putting everything in the finished work of Jesus. And what Jesus paid for affects my life. Now, to what degree do I think that I can experience now what he paid for? I happen to believe, and this is challenging, I happen to believe that you, you know, it's like, God gave mankind this planet. We messed it up. He came down here in the form of a man to show us what it could be like for humanity on this earth in the, in the person of Jesus. And then he fixed it and made it available for us to experience life on this planet like Jesus did when he was here. It's a pretty broad stroke, but, it, but it's pretty accurate. And that's not just an idea that's cherry-picked out of Scripture. It's evidenced in the things that Jesus taught while he was here. He gave power to the original 12 to go lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. They went out and started doing it. And one of my favorite stories is I call him the, the 13th apostle. You know, in that Luke chapter 9, down toward the end, when the apostles go out, they're doing the stuff, they come back, they're fired up, they're telling Jesus what's been going on, they're excited, and he says, okay, yeah, yeah I get it, I get it, woohoo. What you really should be excited about is that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is what should excite you, because that is the anchor of hope that you hold on to when the other stuff's not working, which it pretty much mostly doesn't most of the time. Am I being too literal? Now, the fact that it doesn't work, it meaning us experiencing the benefits of being a child of God, well, we think it doesn't. I, I bet if we were to peel the layer back and look at how much we are experiencing, we would be shocked in a good way, but 
We've all been through stuff. There's stuff that we're praying, people that we're praying for this morning. There's people that are in this room that are watching online that have diseases and illnesses that it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's very burdensome on your life. And, and we should be able to do something about that because we carry the presence of the living God inside of us. Back to the point of Luke 9, the, this guy, so the, the 12 come back, Jesus kind of reframes their thinking. And, and then John brings up this story. It's like, oh, by the way, we found this other guy out there casting out devils, and we told him to stop. He says, because he follows not with us. He's not part of our crew. He didn't go to our school. He hasn't been anointed by you, Jesus. He's not in the right church. What, whatever the disqualification is, John is laying it on this guy who's out there doing it. I mean, who is that guy? I think about that. Who is that guy? And then after that, he empowers 70 or 72 more. But there's this guy in the middle, not even named. The way it's said, it doesn't seem that he's part of the 70 that we're also following. If you're unfamiliar with that, there's the 12. And then Jesus had 70 or 72 more that he gave the same power to that he gave the original 12. They were to go out and do this stuff until the Holy Spirit came, and now everybody in the body of Christ can do everything those guys were doing. It's, it didn't go away. So, so, you know, you look at life through who are you in Jesus? Who is Jesus in you? What did Jesus pay for? What is it that God shows us is possible on this planet? And you look at Jesus, and why, why on earth would he bother to give people power to heal other people's diseases? Have you ever thought about that? Like, he didn't have to do that. He could have just come down here, lived perfectly, did all that stuff, and said, well, I'm God, so I can do this. But he didn't. And, and when they couldn't do it, he challenged them. When the disciples couldn't cast out the devil of the little boy that was flopping around and falling into the fire, what did he say? They said, why couldn't we do this? He said, your unbelief. <laughs> I couldn't perform this miracle because of my unbelief. Is that what you're telling me? Yep. That's what he said. Now, you can be offended at that. You can go to another church that doesn't believe in the gifts, or you can take the word at what it says and, and wrestle with that. I'm going to wrestle with that till I'm gone. I've lost people that we love. Uh, and and, and I, I, think, I just think as a body of Christ, we're way more powerful than we realize. And that's not, that's not just like a charismatic theological doctrine or extrapolation out of Scripture. I'm just looking at what Jesus did. It's like he literally, think about that. He didn't have to do a lot of the stuff that he did. He could have just come, offered salvation, opened the door to heaven. I'll see you when you get here. But he didn't. It's like what he did invaded this earth to the degree that he wanted the presence that's in you to make an impact while the earth's in the shape that it's in. Now, don't get in a performance mindset about that stuff. And this is, you know, the past few weeks, which, by the way, Lyle didn't Lyle do a great job last week. <laughs> Say hi to him. He's probably watching online. Show him some love. Y'all show him some love. <laughs> so... I distracted myself. I forget what was I saying. I, I'm just, you know, again, I'm just, I'm just kind of emptying my heart out. But I did have a couple of passages that were rolling around on this, and, and th this is what I wanted to talk about. But I want to talk about it in terms of, oh, the, 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 the mindset of performance in terms of living at the standard at which you could be living. For fruit in your life, freedom from sin, loving kindness toward other people, all the fruit that you could be experiencing as a child of God that you probably are experiencing more than you realize that you're experiencing. 
You know, I kind of look at the working of the Spirit in two categories. It's fruit to transform you, fruit that you experience as you, as you personally experience the abiding presence inside of you. All the wonderful fruit that happens, all the transformation, the, the glorious relationship that you have with Him that is available to you. And then, so, that's, so to me, the Spirit is in you to bring about that, that you cultivate that. And then you make the decision to allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to empower you, to move in the stuff that Jesus said that we could and should be doing. Even if that's just you telling your story to whoever you can get to stand still long enough to listen to it. Just telling your story. Just telling your story opens all kinds of doors. But you got to have a story to tell. And it doesn't have to be some fantastical thing that's, that you write a book about. It's just something that's alive to you. Like what part of your faith is alive enough to you to tell somebody else about it? What part of your faith, your relationship with God is so nourishing and enriching for you that you can't help but tell somebody else about it? It's a challenging question. And God told me to ask you this question. And he also showed me that this could be very discouraging for some of you. And, and to warn you, don't let that question and that internalization of the question lead you down the path of thinking that you don't have any faith or that your relationship is broken and distant. Are you with me? So warning, warning, warning. Don't let yourself beat yourself up in answering that question. But there might be some digging to do. There might be some tilling of the soil to do. And it might not be in the areas that you think about because oftentimes our relationship with God is dominated by whatever issues and struggles we're having at the moment. Like the conversations we have with God. I mean, think about the people in your life, the people that come to you, and they only talk about their problems. They only talk about life through their filter. They ask you zero questions. They seem to be totally uninterested in you. There's really no relationship other than the fact that you're standing in front of them with ears. <laughs> you know anybody like that? Don't, don't do that to God. Because I'm telling you, it may feel like that, that your struggle is the most important thing that you need to talk to him about. But listen, let me tell you, he already knows about it. And he wants you free from it more than you realize. And he's already done something about it. What other aspects of your faith and your relationship with him are you nurturing to the point that it overshadows the lack, the hurt, the trauma, the pain? What aspects of your relationship with God are so alive to you that it starts to diminish what's going on in the world around you? Even in your personal life, in spite of what the doctor has said, what's going on with your spouse, your job, what you see in the mirror, how you feel, what, what aspect of your relationship with God is so fruitful and fulfilling to talk to him about? Like it's a joy to pray and be thankful toward him about this thing. And if you can't think of anything, just think about what Jesus has done. Just think about what he went through for you. You know, there's lots of points in there. I mean, the cross is kind of an obvious one. Something that, that I think about often is the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was struggling, was, was being tempted to not go through with being the sin offering for the sin of the world. 
I mean, he, he was struggling with that. He prayed three times, Lord, if there's another way, let's do it that way. You know, I go there. I think about that, and I, and, I, and I try to connect with the humanity of what it was he was experiencing in that moment. And then Hebrews tells us that in that moment, he was so tempted to sin. He fought sin in his flesh so hard that he actually started to sweat blood. Because that's the question Paul asks. He's like, have you ever been tempted to? The, have you ever resisted sin to the point of bl blood coming out of your pores because you were fighting it so hard? Well, he, he did. Have you ever resisted sin? This is, this is where my mind goes. Okay, okay, so he resisted sin for me to the point of bleeding out his pores. Okay, so when I'm tempted and I'm resisting how hard is it in that situation? And what God was asking him to do, essentially, was bear the penalty for all of the humanity's failure and sin. And not just the penalty for breaking the law, but then also the effects of what sin brings into the body. Death, disease. And not just that, not just punishment for us breaking the law, not just the effects of sin and death, but also being forsaken by God. For me. And willingly laying his arm down to be nailed to that cross and staying on it and remaining faithful even in the grave. That's what's so powerful to me about the Psalms. You just see the mindset of him in the grave what he went through for you. You know, what, what facet of your inheritance in Christ, whether it just be the, you know, sometimes it's just, I'm just so thankful that I can just stop and choose joy. Like, do you, do you realize how powerful that is? The world can't do that. They don't have a hope to anchor their joy, to, to anchor the expectation to have joy in. The world doesn't have that. What, where is it going to come from? Just the fact that you can stop, get a hold of your thoughts, get a hold of your emotions, and place them into something else, that being the Spirit of God in you, that it shifts your inner state to match what's really more true. Just the fact that you can stop and choose joy is fascinating to me, and we don't do it. Like, the part that's fascinating to me is all the physiological stuff that goes on in the inside of our bodies, the neurochemistry that changes when someone stops and makes that kind of choice. It's as if It's, I've got a quote in my mind, and I can't think of how it says it, but it, it's just as if God is reflecting in the earth, in creation, that when you get your thoughts in agreement with him, the whole world begins to arrange itself to bring about his will in your life. And he has nothing but good plans for you. Like your body works better when you're thankful. So these passages that I just had rolling around, I, I, you know, that's good news to me. I don't, I don't want to minimize our role in the earth, but what I realize is most people are minimizing, most people are benching themselves. Most of us take ourselves out of the game of representing God in the earth because uh, there's nothing inside of us that we're thankful for and, and that excites us and that moves us to the point where it's like, I've got to tell somebody about this. Because life, lust of the flesh, deceitfulness of riches, 
pride of life, cares of this world. Man, we're busy managing that stuff, not the treasures that's in us in Christ. I'm not trying, I really, I didn't plan on being heavy-handed, but I do kind of want to be realistic in terms of, man, like, like every Christian, every believer that has said yes to Jesus on this planet has the ability, the capacity, and the mandate to live on this planet like Jesus did. Just think about that for a minute. Think about if every person that has God living on the inside of them has said yes to Jesus, was living in such a way that looked you couldn't tell the difference between that person and Jesus. Is that impossible enough to, you know, I mean, it's like if we're going to set a bar, boom. But I, I just believe that that's possible. I really do. And, and, and I don't want to come up with the theologies and circumstantial, you know, explanations of why we're not. It's like the abortion debate, you know, people that are pro-choice or pro Murder, really, is what it should be called. They're like, well, what if it's this? Da, 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 da? What if it's in the, this part of the womb and it's in this tube and it's, in, it's unviable and it's going to harm her? I'm like, okay, let's go to the other side for just a minute. What if they just don't want it? How do you feel about that? And usually people that are pro-choice, you ask them that question, and, and it's like you really locate where they are because th they may even be open to it at that point. It's like in terms of extremism, if you're going to go to one extreme or the other, uh, when you throw out the idea that the body of Christ could actually look like Christ in the earth, not the one to die for people, but living in the power of what God has placed on the inside of us, if we're going to set the bar there, it, it, it's the rest of the body of Christ that starts to tell you why it shouldn't and can't be that way. The, the HOA board of heaven will always find weeds in your yard or, or want to qualify what paint you're putting on your house. Well, no, 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 no. You see, you can't, you, can't, you can't do that. The gifts were done away with. Well, no, yeah, the gifts are still active, but it's up to God because God's controlling everything. So if somebody gets healed, because he wanted them to get healed. And if they don't, it's because he didn't want them to. They need to suffer and roll around a little bit, and they're anguishing. Then once they get more holy through their pain of disease, then he might heal. It's like, what? You don't see God saying that ever when he announces his own character. You don't see Jesus ever doing that. Where do we come up with that stuff? It's just human logic and reasoning and rationale that makes sense to us. Because we don't want to take on the responsibility to live like Jesus in this earth. It's too hard. We don't understand it. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, it's, it, it seems impossible. But you know what? All things are possible, those who believe. So what are we going to do? We can roll around and wallow in our lack of display of what we know that we, you know, those of us that do believe in the gifts. That, that's why I love just this unfiltered presentation of the goodness of God. To look at God and make the determination, you are good. There is no evil in you. You have given us freedom, and we wrecked it. But if it were your way, which we saw in the garden, we see in heaven, and we saw when Jesus was here, those are the three areas that you see the unhindered or uncooperated will of God. It's perfection. Are you saying life can be perfect? Oh, man, you know, I'm just saying that we can experience what Jesus died for us to experience. And we can live in the power of what he's placed inside of us. 
And I don't, I don't want to minimize that because of my experiences or your experiences. I don't want to do that. And I realize that that's challenging and offensive. And there are Bible scholars that would love to shred those ideas apart. Take it up with God. I mean, honestly. It's like my question is, is God a healer? Let me ask you, is God a healer? Does God say, I am the Lord God, your healer? So is there ever a time that he is not who he says he is? Like that's where my, that's how I work through these types of questions and doctrines. Okay, what did God say? Especially when he takes the time to tell you who he is and then the promises that he makes. And then you watch what he does. Forty years. Forty years after the Israelites are delivered from Egypt. Forty, say forty years. Now say 40 years. 40 years. Okay, that's pretty good. I mean, really, there was not one person sick. Not one person sick. Well, they say, Dad, but that was because they needed to. Okay, okay. I'm just focusing on the fact that there's 40 years of millions of people that were never sick. What? You know, clothes didn't wear out, shoes didn't wear out, had plenty of food to eat. Of course, they complained and grumbled about that. Forty years! Millions of people, not one sick among them. I mean, have you taken the time to... Uh, and they didn't even have the Spirit of God in them. They didn't have Romans 8 that says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to your mortal body. They just had the presence of God with them, moving around. All they had to do was, oh, the fire's moving, let's go, let's pack everything up, let's just follow God. Forty years, not one sick among them. Those are the kinds of things that I want to anchor in my heart my beliefs about who God is. And not just because it's a fantastic miracle and it's phenomenal and interesting and all that. And, you know, it's not even really about It's like Jesus said, yeah, 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 yeah. You can do miracles. You can do miracles. But you are an eternal creature that will reside in the presence of God in perfection forever. That's what you should be really excited about. And, oh, by the way, because of that, yeah, in this earth, that's going to leak out into this earth and make things happen too. That's, yeah, you should, oh, yeah, you should do that. Oh, you can't do that? Well, you need to get that unbelief out of your heart. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Romans 1, 16, 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, the, and to me, the gospel of Christ is an explanation of everything that he did for us and that he gave, gave to us in this salvation and in this inheritance. It's, it's really the gospel of the kingdom of Christ, which is you are a citizen that has the same inheritance that he does. I'm not ashamed of that. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first, also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This is the passage, actually, that I, that I really had rolling on my heart, and, the, and it's this. And I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. This is Philemon 6, or Philemon. We'll just call him Phil. It's just, and it's just the reason it's not a chapter in a verse. It's just one chapter, essentially. Um, I'll read the whole part, the whole section. It's so four through six. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
And I would say this is, this is really my closing prayer for you. In fact, if you want to come up and pray, play, um, you can pray while you play. Let's, let's just look at that. This is the prayer, that the sharing of your... How many of you want to share your faith? Everybody raise your hand. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. That the sharing of your faith. Now, faith, again, it's, it's a response. So what faith is, is not something that you do to make God move. God's the primary actor in faith. Faith is a response. Faith looks at God and says, oh, you are a healer. That's faith. Faith says, God, you said, I, the Lord, God, am your healer. Faith says, yes, you are. I choose to believe that. And not only do I choose to believe that, I'm going to do whatever it takes on the inside of me to get the stuff out of the way that's contrary to receiving and experiencing who you say that you are. I'm going to put the work in to get the doubt out of my heart so that I'm not hindering the experience of who God declares himself to be. I am going to take responsibility for not experiencing who God says he is in my life. Not blaming him for that. I, the Lord God, am your provider. Okay, yes. So what am I depending on other than you? Lord, I, what are the fears that I have about this? I, well, yeah, I see where I, the, the hook and the anchor of this is keeping me trusting in the world and not you. So I need to deal with that. I need to put a boundary there. I need to renew my mind. I need to experience this. I, the Lord God, am your peace, your comforter. I don't have peace, but I know that you are my peace. What is it that's counteracting peace inside? And so that's the work of transformation is you go inside and you remove the stuff that's hindering you from experiencing the character of God. All you're doing is you're finding out who God is and you're believing that and you're dealing with whatever it is that causes you to not believe that. I, the Lord God, am your healer. Okay, yeah, but I've got this tumor on the inside of me that's killing me. I've got this blood disease. I've got this, and it's uh, my life has an expiration date because of this thing. I get that. Well, I don't get that. I've never been told that, so I really have no idea what it's like to have to struggle with that. But I know that God's a healer. And I know that Jesus paid for it. So what am I going to do about that? Am I going to come up with reasons why he's not that for me? Or am I just going to deal with whatever is on the inside of me that doesn't believe that? And it's not that my faith makes it true or makes it happen or causes God to give me something. My faith is removing the stuff out of the way that's keeping me from experiencing it. That the sharing of your faith may become effective. I want you to define that for yourself this week. What does success look like for you? Like, what's the win when you share your faith? Like, if you were to put a goal to the sharing of your faith... What's the win? Are you, does that make sense to you? Okay, I'm going to share my faith. And when I do, this is the result. What is that? What is success for you in terms of the sharing of your faith? Set it high. Set a high bar. You're going to win souls. You're going to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. You're going to go fishing and find gold in a fish's mouth. I mean, I don't know, you know. It happened. <laughs> you're going to pray and you're going to hear wisdom from God. But specifically in the sharing of that the sharing of your faith may become effective. How? By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you 
in Christ Jesus. By the acknowledgement. You can start now acknowledging. Every good thing. What are the good things? Which is in you, in Christ Jesus. So what it's saying is, really, you're acknowledging the good things that are in Jesus, they're also in you. The good things that are in Jesus are also in you. Acknowledge that to the degree that it overshadows any area that you're not experiencing the character and the nature of God. That's mind renewal. That's putting on the new man. That's the path of transformation, which then becomes the spark for the sharing of your faith. And you can't help it. Then you can't help it. Do you ever have a time in your life where you were so excited you just couldn't stop telling people about Jesus, your story, your faith? I, I remember that. And, 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 you know, and again, don't don't let your was me. I'm just don't 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 let your don't 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 feel like I'm doing a song here. You know, it's like don't let that be an excuse. Man, 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 we, we do that. We let that woe is me thing creep in. And then you let it pull yourself back. The mind, you just keep ruminating on the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing. Oh, this, 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 I did this, this, this. Now I need to go talk to somebody else about this. You're just stuck in this loop of a failure, failure, failure. Oh, I can't, I don't have that. I don't, oh my gosh. Oh. You know, it's like we become OCD with building up this powerful belief that's rooted in the world that has to do with our failure. Well, what are you doing to acknowledge the good stuff that's in you in Christ that destroys the power of that thing? Yeah, you might have failed. Yeah, you might have messed up. Yeah, you got that thing that you hate. What are you going to do to acknowledge the good stuff that's in you to overcome that? You may... It may be a scar, right? It may still be there, the effect of it in some way, but it doesn't have to have a root in you through the acknowledging of every good. Most of us don't share our faith because we feel like we've got to get something else cleaned up in our life. Life's got to arrange itself for me, then I'll do this. It probably ain't going to happen. I mean, that, that's where we come up with the theology. Well, God's in control. Well, that gives you an excuse to just accept every circumstance that comes along. I don't want any excuses. I want to look at God and say, okay, this is what you want happening in this earth. I'm going to deal with the stuff that's in me that's contrary to that spark it to life on the inside of me and then move and share my faith in that area. And sometimes you, you almost can start with the sharing of your faith and then it, it, it ignites something on the inside. You know, it's kind of the discipline aspect of sharing your faith. Just do it. You know, discipline oftentimes is better than motivation. Motivation is like, oh, I need me some of that. Once I feel like doing it, I'll do it. Discipline says, no, we're doing it get up, we're going to do it. Because you just maturely step into your role as a, body, as a productive, mature member of the body of Christ. And, and, and again, I, you know, people, there are, I, I, the things that people are struggling with in this earth, you know, those of you that, that are counselors or caretakers or you have someone that has an infirmity of some kind, and it's hard. It's hard. I, I, I know that. I've walked through being a caretaker. And, and it is hard. It robs. It tries to rob everything away from you. I, I get that. But man, these good things that are in us in Christ are just so much more rich and life-giving 
that that stuff is death giving. Are you with me? But what are we going to do? Are we going to deal with it inwardly? Or are we just going to come up with these little theologies and continue to minimize what's possible? And, and I, I know it's hard. And some people don't want to take it this seriously. That's why I don't hit it this hard all the time. I mean, if I stood up here and preached what I think is possible every week, there'd probably be five of you left. It's too too much, too intense. And it's not because I'm like, my faith is so strong. It's just like, I'm just sold out that, that God is that good that this planet could look like Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, when you die, when your spirit pops out of this body, are you ever going to deal with disease or sickness again? Are you ever going to deal with with fear, doubt, and lack again? No. I just happen to believe that that quality of life can affect your existence now. And if you don't believe that, that that's fine. You know, that, that's just don't don't call me a heretic for believing that. And don't give me your circumstantial theology to disqualify my hope in experiencing the character of God in this earth. So I hope you walk out with a light heart. And it was like, boom, you know. And I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get you to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ. What's in Jesus and acknowledge that's also in you. Find some areas in your life to feed on that, to drive out the contrary in your mind, in your heart, and in the world around you. That is your responsibility to feed on the nature and the character and the presence of God on the inside of you to the point that you experience personal transformation and it inspires you to minister toward others. I mean, it's pretty simple, but it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's the leopard changing his spots. But you can do it because God's in you. Nothing's impossible. Nothing is impossible. There's not one aspect of the Christian walk that's not for you. Not one. But you got to deal with the inner stuff that's keeping you from seeing God clearly. Amen. Let's stand up. I would imagine you got thoughts rolling around, probably all sorts of thoughts going on. But just just take a minute and just clear all that stuff out. And just pick something that's meaningful to you in terms of acknowledging every good thing that's in you, which is in Christ. Just let that let that be your focus for a minute. I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to acknowledge every good thing which is in me, which is also in Christ. I'm going to acknowledge the good stuff that's in Christ and come into agreement that it's also in me. And I'm going to hold on to it. And I'm going to find scriptures to hold on to, to give it form, to anchor my faith into, to let it produce fruit inside of me. And I'm going to expect fruit And I'm going to accept nothing less than transformation. This is my journey. This is my path. This is how I'm going to glorify God. I will transform in this area because Christ is in me. And I'll tell others about it. Say yes 
Lord, I, I will acknowledge every good thing that's in me and let it inspire me to share my faith. Just, just lift up your hand. Just hold up your hand to him. Yes. Yes, Lord. The body of Christ has lots of work to do on this planet, and I don't want to hinder what you're trying to do through me. I'm not going to let that turn into depression. I'm not going to let that turn into making me feel sorry for myself. I'm, I'm not going to let it produce any negative thing inside of me because all I'm doing is I'm just acknowledging. I'm stepping up into the responsibility that I have as a member in the body of Christ. I'm not going to let any of that nonsense creep in, make me feel bad. Forget all that stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited to be able to acknowledge the good things that are in me in Christ. Man, that, that is so inviting to me. There's so much enrichment and nourishment and fulfillment and just acknowledging the good things that are in me to the, to the point that it reshapes how I see people around me and they need to know. And, and it just starts with my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors. Just to tell them my story. I'm just going to tell them something good. Lord, give me something simple. Simple. That I can step into sharing my faith through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Father, thank you that the eyes of our heart are enlightened and opened to see you clearly and then to see ourselves in the light of you in us, whole and complete, at peace with you, but also ambassadors in this earth to declare the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to show the world how good it is in the kingdom of God to the point that they desire you. We commit this to you. We trust you. We love you. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you praise.